Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. season two bonus episode number one starts right now it feels so good to be back with some great mcu content i'm vd joined tonight by jenna anderson hey everybody jamie jirak oh it's nighttime it's my time baby let's go aaron perrine does anybody else really want a french fry right now i really want a french fry <laughs> Go. We're not sponsored by Uber Eats, but I might order some right now. I know Nicole, when she watched the episodes, she like ordered McDonald's immediately. So (laughs) it's definitely a palpable feeling. Welcome to Phase Zero, everybody. This is our first time doing an immediate reaction bonus episode to a Disney Plus show because it's released at prime time in the U.S. now. So we're giving this a shot. We already have double the live viewership that we have on average on Wednesday. So thank you for being here. If it's your first time watching us live, hit the subscribe button. We're going to do this every Thursday night for six straight weeks. We're also going to have a bonus episode for the Marvels in that time. We might have a bonus episode for that Avengers Code Red Lego special coming to Disney Plus. And we're still going to have our Wednesday shows every single Wednesday at noon. Eastern time. But let me give you a quick rundown on what we're going to do with the show tonight. The first part of the show is going to be a recap. We're going to talk about this episode of Loki, the season two premiere, the details we caught, the things we thought uh, were important. Just kind of run through it so it's all fresh in our minds, even though it just ended. But if you're listening to us in podcast form, we're trying to do you a little favor there. Then we're going to take a quick little break. Actually, no, no, before we take a break, we're going to try to explain the time travel rules of the TVA. So uh, we'll see if we can wrap our head around how that all works. Then we're going to take a quick one minute break. We come back from that break. We are going to go into a full breakdown, Easter eggs, everything we caught, including the post credit scene. Questions we still have, or we have for the first time now, after episode one of Loki. And then to end the show, we're going to give our review. We're each going to give this episode a ranking on a 10 scale. I don't really, that makes me scared, because I know everybody gets mad at me when I say a number for anything about these episodes or movies, but we're doing it. We're committing reviews. We're all going to assign a digit to Loki episode one, and then we're going to get previews of episode two, things we saw in the the, the trailers and all that stuff. Uh, but I think it's time to start talking about Loki episode one. I mean, we usually start with reactions, so I'm a little thrown off right now, you know? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Take a breath, BD. Take yeah. a breath. I'm excited. I'm excited. I love this episode, but I'll save that for the review. Uh, so please subscribe to Phase Zero, and let's jump in. This episode starts, I mean, I love that, Loki started out right where season one left off. We start out right there at that cliffhanger. The TVA has got Kang statues. Nobody knows who Loki is. The timelines are, all this stuff is happening after Sylvie kills he who remains. So if you just rewatched Loki season one finale, you're doing well right now. If you didn't, you're like, oh, wait, hold on. I should probably go back and watch it. 
Uh, right out of the gate, they're introducing time splitting. They're introducing these concepts of Loki going through different times and changing things, which is interesting. We're going to talk about that. Hunter B-15 gives a hell of a speech about the TVA and what they're doing. And I want to shout out the direction on that because I loved what she what, what that character did there. But I also love the directing, the quick cuts in that kind of whatever that was, that war room, that courtroom at the TVA. Uh, the TVA says no more pruning because they are convinced that they've been committing universal genocide. Uh, well, okay, let's actually, let's stop right there. Is pruning a timeline for the betterment of the sacred timeline actually killing people? We get to one late night show and we immediately start having like the hardest conversations Yeah, I'm about possible. to say. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I do have a note about this, which is I feel like for the time being, until we get closer to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, this feels like the closest we might get, or we might get at all, depending on whether or not those movies do this, to the whole incursions debate that's in Hickman's Secret Wars of kind of like the morality clause of killing people in another timeline or another universe and what that actually means. And so I like that we're dealing with that on this show. And I like that we're kind of addressing it. I, I do agree. I think that there are consequences to them doing that. And I think they're just now realizing what those are. I still just want to see consequences for what happened in earth 838, to be honest with you, let alone destroying entire timelines. But I need what Wanda did to the Illuminati to come back to, to bite 616 or 199999, depending who you ask, whichever one, the main, Hi, you're watching we know uh <laughs> it's every episode of the like every like episode of star trek does the same thing right where it's like is it worth sacrificing this amount of people to save so many millions and billions and trillions more and i it's going to be interesting to see them grapple with it because obviously i really see it setting up where everybody has a little bit of good and bad like you feel b15 mostly because shout out to women mazaku's like delivery of the lines her righteous fury is like palpable but also it's clearly gonna kill everybody here it's gonna kill all my friends everybody's gonna die they're gonna kill casey i can't kill not casey, casey. come on <laughs> so it's gonna be hard for them to figure it out uh, you know i had this thought for the first time in season one when they were like prune the timeline and i was like wait a second all those people are just about to get wiped is that cool? But I guess it's not cool. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that that's going to be a really interesting concept to dive in with the multiverse saga. And I really hope they develop some timelines, whether it's through this show or in a movie. Like if we find out all of Eternals was actually set in a different universe or something, or like one, any movie, any, any, we, we, Captain America, New World Order at the end of it, we're like, oh, wait a second. Sam Wilson is actually, this is a different universe of Sam Wilson. They got to do something to get us attached to another timeline or universe for us to care other than the moral obligation of caring. I want to care about the characters because if I'm picking one, if it's Universal War 2, I'm going with I'm going with my homies in Earth 616. They're the ones I'm rooting for. Where where I Tony Stark grave is. I want to know when a whole timeline gets pruned, does every person there get sent to the void and then just like they fight it out to try to survive Eliath? Oh. Or are they all just erased? Like, what what's the difference between getting pruned and going to the void versus like just disappearing? Now you only go to know. the void if you're Loki, apparently. <laughs> well, other people are there. It's just that yeah. they're they're survivors, so there are more of them than anyone else. Yeah, because they're such survivors. That's what they say. So I don't know. I'm just saying, yeah. are, is the void like super full right now, or is Eliath just like super hungry? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Just it was so good to see the smoke monster from work from Lost get more work, <laughs> and that's not the last Lost reference I'm going to make on today's show. Uh, 
Loki and Mobius, uh, their, their reunion, loved it. But oh, also, really? Loki looked terrified. I want to shout out Tom Hiddleston's acting in this sequence. He looked genuinely terrified of He Who Remains. And he only met He Who Remains. If you think about it, he hasn't even met Kang. He doesn't, he doesn't have all those visions that Michelle Pfeiffer's Janet had in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. He just met He Who Remains, who was like, listen, I'm not the bad one. If y'all kill me, you'll meet the bad ones. And that was enough to put the fear of Kang God in him. And he came back and was terrified in describing this man to Mobius. So shout out to Hiddleston's performance there uh, and, and that whole sequence and catching him up on what's going, what happened at the end of time uh, because Mobius forgot uh, because this was a different time at the TVA. Uh, OB, our boy OB is introduced. Ouroboros, the name of the episode. He got an episode named after him. We I thought he was awesome. <laughs> He's so great. I do just want to shout out because I can't go too far without mentioning She-Hulk at all. Um, there is a TVA kind of judge named Aurora Boris who in her like 100th issue of her solo run, she basically got put on trial in front of the TVA. And they kind of were like, do you need to get pruned or thrown, TV thrown in TVA jail for like all of the hijinks you've gotten up to? And so I do like that we've kind of carried that narrative thread of giving his name to Obi. I would like to also point out the meaning of Ouroboros, which is when you eat your own tail. Yeah. And that there has to be, uh, there has to be some kind of connection with that here. I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, that is a very popular tattoo that people have. It's a very common <laughs> thing. And I think it is worth notice noting. I think that's a, that's a good call, Jamie. That's a great call. That's why we have, that's why we got the big brains like Aaron and, and Jamie. Aaron's a prophet. Jamie's a, Jamie's got these good rants and tinfoil hat moments. And Jenna just knows everything. I'm just here to guide the conversation. I'm just here to, I'm, I don't even actually really, I'm just here to like make sure I don't even actually, I don't even know why. Uh, so the, the, the premise of the episode becomes trying to stop Loki from time splitting, which is supposed to be impossible to TVA, presumably because he who remains has been killed. And now there's a bazillion timelines flooding the, is that the loom Temporal is the loom. thing that's the catching the timelines? Yeah. Presumably because he who remains is dead, the timelines are now overflowing into that. And it's not able to convert those timelines into a safe amount of power. So, in order to get Loki out of time splitting and all that, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, it, it was, it was crazy. This was so, I, I watched this five times. Uh, you had to send him out. He had to get pruned. Mobius had to go out to the little button in the middle of the timeline cosmos and press it and shoot a little fish hook like it's Fortnite. You don't know what you're going to get out of the pond. <laughs> and hopefully Loki comes out and he did. Which was great. That so it, it I was kind of the music came on. Obi was like, we lost him. And I was like, wait a second, is this season gonna be about the fact that they weren't able to do this? But they were. And I thought that sequence was brilliant. I thought this episode as a whole was brilliant, mostly because of that ending right there. I completely agree. I also I I love the sequence and especially watching it a second time over of like uh, when Loki goes to the past and meets OB kind of for the first time and then like reverse engineers getting the MacGuffin that they need in the future. I thought that that was brilliantly executed, brilliantly acted. That was just really fun. Yeah, that's going to be part of our time travel discussion in just a moment, because uh, this is a unique form of time travel rules. And it's different from what we've already seen in the MCU. And I'm fine with that. I'm cool with it. We do meet X5. We meet X5 in this episode, who is X5 was not in season one. Right. He's, he's yeah. not, I don't think he was right. No? I'm like, I've never I, I, apologies to this man. I do not know this man. Who is this man? <laughs> 
I rewatched the entire series on Sunday, and I was still like, "Have I seen him before?" But sometimes I have face blindness with with men. <laughs> he just he has one of those faces. I will just say, so I it's totally fair. Well, he has one of those faces that we've already seen in the trailer, but not as a Minuteman. He yeah. was he Rafael Casal is the actor playing X Five, right? Yes. And so he's Rafael Casal is also the actor who we believe is going to be Brad Wolf because of the trailers. So it seems like maybe we got to look at his past before he was a TVA agent or something, because there's the whole Zaniac thing from the comics that we're starting to think like, okay, what's going on here uh, with that. So this, he's going to stick around. He's going to be a part because they, they, you know, they cast an actor people really like, and this guy was a total dick. Soon as he said, I don't care about the jet skis. I was like, uh, uh, nope. Mm-mm. You don't talk to Mobius that way about his love. Not, not in front of me. I have to say this moment that's on the screen where they're touching heads and yeah. then uh, Hunter, uh, when the way that she like looks at them, my, I was at this, the, the, the theater went crazy for that reaction of like, what you doing? What's this relationship? <laughs> I was given, getting a little bit of Tom Brady kissing his kids. Given her character on Game of Thrones, that is definitely the direction that I also that's took funny. it in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Yeah, that was that, that was interesting. I was like, "What's what's going on here? What is what did I just watch?" Where there was something. Oh, Ted Lasso, Jamie Tart and his mom. Oh my god, of, that they didn't really. That was yeah. That was kind of. I was like, "What's going on here, Jamie Tart?" Do 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 do. Uh, that was yeah. So it kind of gave me. I was like, "What's going on here?" But um, yeah. So that we met X Five. X Five sucks. We don't like X Five. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, so that, that I think that that's pretty much what this episode was. And then there's a post credit scene where we find Sylvie. And Sylvie is living in what year was it? It was 1982. Yeah. She's in Broxton, Oklahoma, which is a town we're going to talk about in the Easter egg section of today's show. Uh, and she's presumably living happily ever after, meeting people at McDonald's. She sees happiness. And she says, I want to try everything. And she's not talking about the menu. But she might also be. I did think that was hilarious, though, how she was just like, I want it's dead. No face, you know, not no rabbit, whatever she said. Uh, and the kid was just like, all right, lady, you could try our nuggets. <laughs> you know, I do feel like in Oklahoma in the 80s, that might not have been like a completely unheard of thing to have heard. So but yeah, I, that was still just a great scene. <laughs> Poor Sylvie. I just feel I so bad for her. Like, I know that it seems my guess. I, I'm sure we're going to get to this, but I'm going to assume she had so much fun eating McDonald's that that's why she wants to work there. Because like, <laughs> even like the minimum wage grind is like a piece of cake compared to growing up in apocalypses. Like, poor Sylvie. I just, my heart breaks for her. She's just really makes me sad. Well, if you think about Sylvie, she was, she fully is, she's the, the full arc. She's the character who got the full arc. When she was introduced in Loki, her goal was to basically get free of her abuser, the person who plucked her out of her existence. And she, her life mission was to kill the person who screwed up her entire life. She did that and now she's free. So she's going to get a taste of freedom at McDonald's. Uh, yeah. Okay, now I want, okay. Time travel in the MCU. This is a topic and it's different in Loki than it was in Avengers Endgame. And if you look at Avengers Endgame and you ask the directors, it's one thing. If you ask the writers, it's another thing but time works differently in the TVA. So it's okay if things work a little differently here. I almost take TVA as sort of like, if you remember the ending of Lost, if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert, it ended 29,000 years ago. So I'm going to do this anyway. But I remember at the end of Lost when they all met in the church and they're like, there is no now here. Whether you died at the episode, the first season, Boone, or you died well after the show, Kate and Sawyer, 
Y'all came here because you had each other in your life, and there is no point in time here. This episode, however, did tell us there kind of is time because OB said that he saw Mobius 400 years ago. So there is some measure of time passing in the TVA, and Loki was going to the past and changing things, like the thing falling out of the ceiling, and he was coming to the present, and you know, all that stuff was happening. So there is somehow time passes in the TVA, but it seems that it's almost it doesn't have anything in common with Lost's time travel rules, though, which is, in my opinion, the best time travel rules in fiction, which I'll get to. But it seems like this is it kind of corrects itself at least in people's memory. Now, I don't know how the extractor showed up out of nowhere, but OB did suddenly remember things as present-day Loki was explaining them to him in the past. It's almost like Back to the Future, where if you change something, it changes in the present. But Back to the Future, according to Endgame, is a bunch of BS. So I'm not 100% sure if they're trying to weave these things together or they don't care, which I'm fine with, because it's a different place and they already said it. It makes total sense to me that the TVA would work differently because they they straight up said, you know, this isn't supposed to happen. Oh, now it's happening. So it does not bother me that it's different rules because it's a totally different universe place. But I will say I wasn't I wish they didn't do the 400 years ago thing mm -hmm. with OB because although it was a funny bit, it muddles it a little bit. I mean, like, obviously they have memories of each other, and I would assume that uh, Mobius doesn't remember him because his memory was wiped, or is it because he just forgot about that one second he got lost 400 years ago? So I think that, like, they were, like, trying to be funny, and that, and that muddied it a bit. But I do not mind that these rules are different. I think it makes sense. I completely agree. I was not a huge fan of like Endgame's logic for time travel. I thought it worked within the context, but there's definitely like cleaner ways of doing it. And so I think given the circumstances of the story and given what they're doing, it feels kind of similar to Hypertime in DC where it's like every like every contradiction, every conclusion can just kind of like converge and then move forward from there. So I feel like this is kind of a, an equivalent of that in the context and it works for me. This is a perfect time to mention one of my least favorite moments in Endgame, which is when Tony is like, are you talking about Back to the Future? And Scott's like, oh, no. Oh, I guess I am. What he should have said was, no, I'm talking about Back to the Future Part 2. Because that's actually <laughs> what he's describing. And it always makes me mad that they don't drop that it's the sequel being referenced, not the first movie. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. Like when when they said that when they had Ob like make the emitter thing to get mm -hmm. Loki back, the first thing I thought of was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, like where nice. they find the keys, like straight up. And I was like, what a weird thing. And I knew as soon as it happened, I'm like, oh boy, here comes the in-game time travel discussion. <laughs> I have I have theories about how it works as opposed to the in-game model too, but that can wait till later. The endgame model is a little confusing. It's a little imperfect, but it was so much fun that I don't even care. They almost kind of went the lost route, but they didn't. And lost, this is lost to me is the most perfect way to have a time travel rule where it's just whatever happened, happened. So if you go to the past, like say right now, I went to the past right when this show started and I walked in and I waved to the show, then that would have already happened on the broadcast in the timeline because there's only one timeline. I just wouldn't have experienced it yet. I would have been like, who the hell are you? How'd you get here? It's. I think that that's, that takes incredible planning as a writer to then, like, if, if you have something happen in 2010 and then you tell the story right up through 2013, you go back to 2010, you would have had to show it then. And Lost didn't really have that down, but I love their rules of whatever happened already happened. You can't change the past. Even if you try, 
you already tried. You just don't know it yet because your head is moving in one timeline and you start that timeline again. Loki the is constant. The constant is one of the best episodes of television in history. Honestly, yeah, truly tremendous. Uh, and I think that Lo Loki is doing something quite different where now if you go back to the past, you can change people's memories. You can, I don't know if you could change the course of history, but you can change memories. We haven't seen anything crazy. Can like a branch timeline come out of the TVA now too? I don't. I don't know. That's that's a whole new ball game. But so time. That's our best attempt at trying to explain time travel. It's, our best it's also your stealth first episode of your lost podcast. Hey, <laughs> I'm ready. I it a long time ago. I'm whenever it's time. It's one of my favorite shows too. That that's one. Michael Giacchino, director of Werewolf by Night. That's why I can talk about this. Is doing a lost concert in Hawaii for twenty years. In April, and I'm like, hold on a second, I might have to start saving up here and get myself to Hawaii because uh, I went to one Laws concert and I cried. Aww. All right, well, so I also want to be fully transparent with everybody who is watching live, who is listening to our podcast. Uh, Jenna and I have seen the first four episodes of Loki. We're not going to spoil anything, we're not even going to reference everything we've seen for that reason. The questions I have about episode one are questions that I wrote down while watching it for the first time when we get to that section of the show. I will not say whether or not I know the answer to these questions or if I don't know the answers to these questions. I'm not spoiling anything. Jamie and Aaron are both only one episode in now. Jamie had seen episode one before today and now watched it again. Aaron just watched episode one for the first time. So now Jamie and Aaron are watching live with everybody each week. Jenna and I, for the next three weeks, are a, a couple episodes ahead. So our theory, we might hold back on some theories. We might hold back on a couple of things, but we're going to let Jamie and Aaron go to town and we will call out things from the comment section and we will not, I promise you, we will not ruin anything for you. Other than saying, I think the episodes are great and episode four is in fact my favorite. Jenna, which was your favorite of the first four? I, I don't know. I, I liked episode three for, for some really interesting reasons. I don't know. I, I Once I rewatch them, it'll be a little bit easier for me to crystallize which one I really like. Yeah, it's they this this show upon rewatch is better. Yes. And I liked it the first time. So all right, we're gonna take a quick one minute break. This is a great opportunity to subscribe to our channel on YouTube so that you get notified every Wednesday and Thursday when we are live for the next five weeks. When we come back, we're gonna go into Easter eggs, we're gonna go into questions, and then we're gonna do a full review of Loki season two, episode one. See you in just a moment. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
Zero Loki season. Welcome back to Phase Zero Loki season two bonus episode number one. This is the Easter eggs breakdown uh, questions portion of the show. I think we can start off with some Kangs. Well, little Kang stuff going on in uh, in Loki episode. First of all, Kang was added. Well, he who remains was added to the Marvel Studios logo. You see him in the A right there at the top of the program. Uh, so we know he's going to be a factor as Victor Timely in that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania credit scene and the trailers we've seen that. What's up, Jenna? I will say we were debating about this in the comic book Slack, and apparently that was also in the Quantumania opening, and I don't think anyone noticed, <laughs> but he, he's definitely in it this time around. So He's back, he's back, and he's all over the walls. You look at the walls of the TVA, there is all these Kangs fighting each other which presumably is imagery from the multiversal war. And those are classic Kangs uh, from the comics, which look quite a bit like Kang from Quantumania. So I don't really know if that means anything, but it could be from the future. Who even knows what's going on in the TVA, you know, interior design team. And then this monument of Kangs, it's like the Mount Rushmore of Kangs inside the TVA war room. There's five of them. If we look at them, are do we think these are any specific kangs or are these just kind of a bunch of kang faces there was a time where i would have said yes but now i i don't know i think it's just for the aesthetic i don't know it's, it's got a little vitruvia man to them i was looking just now to see if some of them had like different uh face things going on and it seems like maybe some of the ones on the left or the right do but like none of them have the lines right. that's what i'm that's always true. looking out for yeah. None of them are the exiled one. Nope. The center one looks like he who remains. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He looks like the one who put the TVA together. The ones on the left and the right and the far left and the far right, I can't really tell if there's anything too drastically different about them other than they have some sort of, you know, helmet piece on, but it looks similar for each of them. There is no really, this is Immortus, this is that guy, this is this guy. Uh, but yeah, so interesting. My Hmm. Why was why were there Kang statues in the first place? If it was That's just a, a different question. time. I was wondering this at the end of season one, and I feel like it, like because it's all molding together. That's why there are different timelines, maybe of the TVA now. I don't. It's it's something that I've been trying to consider for a while now. That isn't. I hope we get an answer. I. I oh, Aaron, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm about to say, like, it's just the idea of like a rebrand. I'm sure at one point he tried to do this himself and he's like, I can't be out here. The block is too hot. So we have to go and go with the nicer image of these robots, right, to run everything. And that's what led to the rebrand. And they had to knock these statues down and do all this other stuff to kind of like, you know, give it a, a friendlier face, right? Because maybe, I, I don't know, he could have lit, they could have all revolted before. Right. This could not be the first time all of them had an existential crisis and we're like, I'm tearing the entire thing down. He's like, oh, no, we can't have it again. Can't can't have it. Gotta That's get true. I mean, we, out here. Yeah, we we don't know if season two, the events of season two are even taking place. Like in terms of this now, at least 400 year old TVA timeline. We don't know if this is before the event of the TVA in Loki season one or after the events of Loki season one of the TVA. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. Because it could be anywhere on that summer. timeline. For Loki, it's a continuation of it's like day five of trying to conquer New York. But for the TVA, we don't know when this is. 
I feel like with Mobius, at least, there's at least some sort of like acknowledgement that season one has already happened to him. But I don't know. I now that you mentioned I mean, it, he I'm, knew Loki, so yeah. he, it had to. This yeah. has to be taking place after because that was the whole point of him going in the past because yeah. Mobius didn't know him. And no. but the question is, why were they covered up? Why are the why is the Kang wall covered? It's been there the whole time. And maybe, maybe, oh, okay, maybe Sweet. it was used to be there. And then Kang or He Who Remains or whichever version was like, actually, I don't want them to know about me. I'm going to wipe all their memories, cover up any history of me, history of me. So maybe it's just been there the whole time and he covered it up. So I was going to say that. Like when yeah. Casey didn't know Loki, that's the past where there's a Kang statue. And in the future where all this Loki stuff already happened and He Who Remains came and went, that's when everything's torn down and covered up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I will say building off of that, I also think it's just purely for vibes. I think it's like to to heighten Loki's paranoia and the sense of like, oh my God, Kang is everywhere. Kang is this looming threat. I think like the fact that the TVA is already this liminal space, albeit with timey-wimey uh, time travel stuff, I feel like they're just kind of using that to throw more Kangs in there just to scare him. I think so. I, he who remains burning books out here. I was I was wondering too, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but there is a subtle thing in the first season where when the they cut the robot's head off and it says see you soon and then it's actually he who remains his last words when sylvie stabs him mm -hmm. the same thing i felt with the recordings happened i'm like this is both for ravona and i think this is for loki too like it's supposed to be for both of y'all you know in the same way that mobius whispered you're my favorite over loki's shoulder and you don't know if he said it to sylvie or loki Let's talk That's about that recording point. then. Let's talk about that recording as our next question. When did that happen? Before or after all this? It, why does he call her the Marvel? Does he know the Marvels is the next movie out? Why do he call her Marvel? <laughs> is there is there going to be a romance between Ravona and Kang like we know so well from the comics and even the Lego Avengers video game? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. If, I, if I that, will, like, oh. Jamie, go ahead. We got a little stalled there. It felt it felt like she didn't know about him in season one, right? So my guess is that we are going to hear this recording happen sometime in the future. I think we're going to see that happen. Uh, and it hasn't happened yet. But also, you know, he was hearing it in the past. I think there's going to be a lot more time jumping around than than we've even considered so far. And that's just come from a lot of time travel films that I've seen. I've seen a lot of them. Um, and I really think that every little sprinkle we're seeing is going to be connected later. And I do think we are going to hear him record that at some point. I will also say, like, as, as someone who's read way too many of Ravona's comics, like, there is a point where there's kind of two Ravonas. There's, like, Ravona Prime and then, like, another one that Kang kind of puts in stasis. And they both go on two completely different trajectories in their life. So, like, that is always within the realm of possibility, too. Like, it might not be the Ravona that we know or the Kang that we know. Like, who knows? I'm trying to see Ravona in a costume. I want to see her get a full-on comics costume. Yeah. It's a cool costume. Um, so that's that's two of our questions already. You know, I, uh, the first question is why was there a Kang statue? Second question is what wh what is this recording? Uh, I, I I also on top of that just kind of sub question: Why is that recording saved there and ready right then to press play at that moment in the recording? What else is recorded? Is this out of context? Is the context? I don't know. To be interesting, if we do learn about that, uh, another Easter egg in the credit scene. We're going to cut back to the credit scene here. 
Broxton, Oklahoma. That's where the, that's where uh, Sylvie's McDonald's is in a branched timeline. So Broxton is a location from the comics, which was first introduced in 2007. It was actually destroyed in 2022. RIP Broxton. But this is where after Thor's rebirth, this is where New Asgard was. I know New Asgard. Where is New Asgard? It's in like Maine or New Hampshire in, or something. I thought it was in like Norway or something. Yeah. Norway. It's definitely. Oh, am I wrong? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I don't yeah. know. Everywhere with the coast is the same to me. Because I just remember when they established <laughs> that, I was like, I wanted it to be Broxton. That makes me really sad. I will also say, because Nicole pointed this out to me, Broxton was also mentioned in Agent Carter because uh, Madame Mask grew up there. And so they briefly acknowledged that. So. Hmm. It's interesting that they did Broxton from a branched timeline, though, because even if there is some sort of Asgardian setup here like we had in comics, uh, I think it obviously isn't going to last. So maybe we will see the destruction of Broxton, just like the books, too. I think it's just a fun little Easter egg. I don't think that's like an Asgardian McDonald's. I I view that in the same way. Like in season one, they mentioned Oshkosh, Wisconsin, which is where Mark Grunwald, who was the inspiration for Mobius, that's where he grew up. So I just viewed it as that kind of thing of like, let's just pick a city that people will know. If the if that McDonald's sells Bilgeknipe, I'm going to be hyped because that's a callback <laughs> all the way to the first Avengers. Bilgeknipe, big scaly beasts. You don't have those on Earth? Oh, man. Anybody who got that is a, is a, is a true Marvel fan. Thank you for being here. You I'm know I did because it was a Colton scene. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, Man, our TVA versus Shield uh, debate heated up on 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 Project X recently, <laughs> but you got to listen to uh, Phase Zero proper on Wednesdays to know what we're talking about. Uh, Aaron, you found one. What is this? Yeah. So in the beginning, when Tom jumps into that truck, rams it into Kang's face, and then falls back into the TVA, he sees Casey, and Casey has on headphones, and he takes them off. You hear the same books on tape or hotline that uh, Stephen Grant was listening to in Moon Knight, where it's like playing, doing puzzles is an interesting way to keep yourself awake. It's the exact same lady, the exact same way. I had to listen to it back. And I was like, oh, fun, weird. That must be the best way to keep yourself awake in the multiverse. Um, Heck of a catch. I I don't know. It stuck out to me because I'm like, wait, I've heard that somewhere before. And then I went to like go find it because I mean, listen, any chance to go Google Oscar Isaac? I'm like, okay, let's figure this out. And it is the exact same audio clip, which is very weird. Shout out to Aaron Moorhead and them who are Moon Knight directors. So of course they probably wanted to get that in oh, here. Oh yeah, you blew Jim's mind in the chat. So you succeeded with your <laughs> oh, Moon Knight uh, listen, the, the biggest Jim Moon Knight a Moon Knight Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> Fraud. Absolute fraud. Big fan. Nice catch. Yeah. I'm actually going to go back and look at that, and I'm going to go look for that. That might be uh, that might be a little shorts video coming to the Phase Zero YouTube channel. This is the first I've heard of it. Yeah. Wow. I, they put out a, like a sneak peek earlier, and I like immediately was like, wait a second. That's totally from Moon Knight, isn't it? Nicely um, done. Nicely done. Uh, more questions. More questions. How did Sylvie get in the elevator? What's going on there? Because she looked happily ever after at McDonald's and all of a sudden she's in the elevator at the TVA and she's calling out to Loki. And Loki's like, bro, I, what? What are you doing here? And so now all the TVA wants wants Sylvie dead, basically, is what, what, I'm, what I'm seeing. She was looking. I, I have a theory. Go all for right. It. But, it's, but it's connected to another question that you have, which is uh, who pruned Loki? Okay, and so my- that, that, what, this... This immediately took me back to the part of season one when Loki got pruned in front of the fraud timekeepers because it looked because he's supposed to prune himself. Obi told him to prune himself. Mm. Now, I was like, when I watched this, I was just like, wait a second. 
did he did did he prune himself? What? Because I I can't. I mean, it's obviously a close up shot. You can't tell. So, did you think Sylvie pruned him? I think that when Sylvie says, there you are, I was looking for you, she's talking to who's ever behind Loki. That's what I think. I don't know who it is. Because at first, I thought that whoever pruned him was a bad guy and was trying to send him to the void. And then just we got lucky because they didn't know that he needed to get pruned anyway and it just worked out. But then I thought about it more and I feel like... Somebody in the future knows what has to happen and is waiting in that moment. That's what I think. So I don't, I think that Loki's or that Sylvie is talking and maybe it is another Loki. Maybe it's Casey. I don't know. But I, but I do think that it is a, a friendly. A friendly pruned Loki. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's ever pruning Loki? Loki is doing it because he needs to be pruned. Not because they're bad. Aaron, you Does thought- that make sense? I think that Jamie's right because I believe that it's like a Rube Goldberg machine because the way they built this time travel thing, it has to be that we see the gun go off. So someone had to have it in the past to shoot it. Um, but I can't I could not tell you who it's supposed to be. I don't know. It could be Renslayer. It could be Jonathan Majors in some form or fashion. Some other weird Kang we've never seen before. He's just a guy in, in a dress shirt. Uh, who's one of the accountants in there? Like, I don't know. It's very, it's very, and they did not on purpose, it was blocked out. So it's like you will not know who prunes them. I people in the chat are saying it's Sylvie from another time or him. I don't know. It, that would be awesome and and wild, but I can't really see it folding in on itself like that. Someone clip that so when I'm wrong later, you can just throw it in my face. <laughs> I will moment. say. You saying like, oh, it could be anybody had my brain like just like imagining what if it was Madison or like somebody <laughs> completely out of the box from the Everyone MCU. Like imagine. Oh. <laughs> now it's going to be a disappointment why. if it's not Madison. Aerospace engineer. <laughs> Call it now. It. Let's be honest. It's Wong. He's in everything. <laughs> He's everything. everywhere. It's Wong. Uh, the old, I mean, this this moment was clearly the biggest question mark driver of the episode because also the question is, well, two questions. Why was Lo- Loki walking so slow if my man is in a hurry? I was kind of like, hey, bro, pick up the pace. Like, I thought we're under the gun here. Let's get it moving. But also, who's calling that phone? Because the phone's ringing. They clearly make it a point to show you the phone. The subtitles say phone ringing. If somebody's calling that phone. I don't know what's going on with the phone uh jenna and i are not allowed to weigh in either way on things we know or don't know so aaron jamie i'm turning this one back over to you too because this is a question we all have it's a question the comment section has what's good what's, what, what, what's up what's up with the phone the, so the first time i saw it you know i saw it and then today it came up like who the question you know who's calling and i'm like i couldn't remember a phone rang I, I so i texted jenna but poor jenna can't like help me because <laughs> i'm like i just want to know when the phone call was happening, I don't need to know who's on the other end. Just like, I just don't remember when a phone call. <laughs> and it, I also so, couldn't help because I also couldn't remember the phone call either. I had to rewatch it to get the context because the first time I saw it, it just fit into the ambiance and I totally forgot about it. So yeah, we all just time slipped in and out of that. So I, like I don't know. I have no from, idea. Uh, I like this comment from, who was it? Where was it? Rudy Torres on YouTube. They used the phone to lure Loki to the elevator. That's what, that's interesting. I like that theory. I oh, mean, if you okay. hear a phone ring, you're going to walk towards it. That connects with what I said, which is who's ever there pruning him was waiting for him to prune him. 
So I think that that could be a thing. Yeah, and they had cell servers in the TVA. Yeah. Chris Chipperson, who listens uh, pretty regularly, was on Twitch and said that he thought that all the lights flashing was Morse code. Mm. And that is fascinating. If that's Ooh. the case, I have no clue if that's right. I have no clue if that's what Man. they were going for. That would be wild. You want to know one, one Fazier listener who knows Morse code, right? Somebody. Like, <laughs> somebody got to know. wake it. up on Friday and someone will have translated it, even if it's just yeah. like on the Marvel subreddit or something. Right. You know what's one of the biggest stories I ever wrote on comicbook.com? The most clicked on stories was Daryl Dixon blinking Morse code to Rick Grimes <laughs> about a scene when he was a Negan prisoner in season seven of The Walking Dead. That was one of the biggest stories we ever wrote, and he wasn't. that morse code symbol in rick's house from like season six he had a he had a morse code map on the wall and then daryl was doing these weird blinks but it turns out norman reedus is just kind of a different dude who likes moving and blinking weird we've known that though but all right on that note we're gonna take one more break real quick we come back it's time we have to assign a number score to this episode of loki everybody is going to give their review score for loki episode one And then we're going to talk a little bit about episode two, the previews, everything that might be coming uh, based on episode one and the previews that have been released and everything. So it's a great time to subscribe to the Phase Zero YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on all the podcast platforms. Send a link of our show to a friend. Send it to your mom. She'll love it. All right, we'll see you in a minute. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Muted. Thank you for riding with us throughout this uh, this Thursday night on Phase Zero Loki Season Two bonus episode number one. This is this is I'm having so much fun talking about this. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm having a great time. This is the part of the show I've been dreading though. I get scared when I when I have to review score something. I'm like, dude, everyone's gonna get mad at me. They're gonna pull this up in five years when I say that Avengers Secret Wars was really good. They're gonna be like, this dude gave Loki episode one a, a nine out of ten. He has no ten. That's what happened. They pull up that Black Widow reviewer all, all the da- all the damn time. I stand by it. I think Black Widow was a good movie. Whatever. Uh, that said, we're gonna go around here. Everybody's gonna give their review of Loki uh, episode one from season two. Quick, you could describe it however you want to, justify it or don't. You could just leave it. You know, this is my number, and I'm moving on. For me, Loki season two premiere is a nine out of ten. 
I thought this episode was really well paced and really well directed. I got to say there were some parts of it that felt like they were genuinely confusing and hard to follow. And I had to watch them again to understand what was going on. And it almost felt like they didn't care. Like they knew that was going to be the case and they didn't really care to try to make it make sense. They started throwing words at you like temporal room, temporal aura extractor, uh, all that stuff just to try to, make it not make sense but make sense and you're just like okay well i don't know they got to go out there he's got to get maybe you guys tracked it better than i did but that was kind of one of my only gripes with the episode uh, i thought that otherwise loki and mobius were tremendous together i loved how middleston and owen wilson when they shared the screen i thought the sequences that didn't even have action were really tense like hunter b15 pleading her case to the tva i think that the whole cast did a great job in all those sequences uh and i just i think this is a tremendous re-entry to the TVA and to Loki. And it's a great way to pick up where season one left off. Although I do feel like this was a really quick undoing of the cliffhanger from season one, which I thought was a tremendous cliffhanger. We waited two years and it feels like now they've kind of said, well, never mind on the cliffhanger. We're kind of go, but we'll see what happens in the next few episodes. That's how I felt after this episode. Uh, Jamie, you're at the top of the screen. All right. Well, I just want to start off by saying that since BD and I are in our feud era um, between the first MCU <laughs> draft and this week on uh, this week's episode on our regular show, if you haven't listened to it, just go listen and find out why we're fighting. Um, but so that brings a perfect time for me to say that why are we doing out of 10 when the comicbook.com formula is out of five, when the letterbox <laughs> formula is out of five? Why, why does our show not match up with our website's rank? <laughs> and I just want to tell you right now, I right now here refuse to do an out of 10 ranking. I'm going to do an out of five ranking. And my no, we're ranking. going to double it and give it to the next person. <laughs> Great. Um, my ranking is a four out of five. And But I will say, even though BD and I are fighting, uh, it's all the exact same reasons that he said, which are <laughs> one, uh, in a t in a TV show, it really bothers me when there's a huge cliffhanger and it gets instantly resolved in the first episode of the next season. That that does bug me. Um, even though it was so much fun and I'm so glad I got Mobius and Loki back together again uh, as so quickly as possible. I did love that. Um, I do think that's a bit of a cop out in terms of writing. Also, I also agree with BD that some of it was a little confusing. Uh, like it took my second watch to understand the temporal stuff. Like I did even like when I was talking to Jenna, I, I said something to her on text today. And then five minutes later, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, actually, I get it now. I didn't understand earlier when I was talking about it. So, but, but it was still, I love the way it was shot. Beautiful cinematography, great direction. Love this cast so much. So it's it's a four out of five for me. So an eight out of ten. Great job. <laughs> I think it actually would be a nine out of ten, but that, that's fine. The math ain't math, and Jamie, the math ain't Are, math. Know, wait, out of ten, do we get halves or no? You could do it. You could do an eight point five out of ten yeah. if you You're want. It makes your own rules. Uh, make your because... own whatever. We're here to make. We make the rules. It's our show, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Four to five. Four, all right, fair enough. So we're we're pretty close. Jenna, Jenna, what do you think? I do also beforehand. Uh, Prez Guillermo has a comment that I want to address because it was, "Does Loki even know what a phone is?" Because this would be 2012 Avengers Loki. This man pretended to be DP Cooper in like in the 50s, 60s, and stuff. So mm -hmm. he's definitely seen a phone. I just had to think about that for a second because for a second I loved the possibility that he's never seen a landline in his life. Um, I will. I'll stick with the out of ten rating, like ranking. Even though I do agree with Jamie and her reasoning, um, I will give this an eight out of ten. Um, I think it. 
it's not so much the sci-fi jargon that bargain that bothered me. It's more the there's a lot of very back and forth kind of dialogue of like a line is said and then another character basically repeats the line directly back at them in the form of a question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I think that especially the second time around, this episode flowed really well. I think like Obi really adds a lot of life to this episode in a really interesting way. And yeah, I do think my biggest qualm is the fact that the season one cliffhanger doesn't get addressed at all. But I've also watched so many CW shows and going from season to season on those, there are times where that happens. Um, but it, it definitely does suck in this context. I also just think it's a thing of being on a tangible set and having so much artistry in the set decoration and everything really, really stands out right now, given as some of the other superhero media that's come out this year. So I'm going to rank it pretty high because that was just really nice to see. Good one. We are hoofing it through these reviews. Aaron. Uh, as the only person who hadn't seen any of it beforehand, very, very delighted. Very, very good to be back in the TVA. I, I read some of the interviews beforehand, so I guess it, the, the continuation of season one didn't hit me the same because they said, like, oh, yes, like, it's the same TVA, which was a very big, confusing part of the end of the first season. It's like, they don't remember. What do you mean? How could you not? They're like, bros. What? What? Well, how could you not? Like, jet skis. What, how do we forget this? So that was good. Uh, Wumi is tremendous in it. We meet some more. They keep building the TVA out. They got Casey in here. Cafron is freaking amazing as OB. Like, this is one of the characters that came in one of these shows that now I'm like, please show up to just techno babble at us in like Kang Dynasty. Like, y'all can do that. Like, have something where he's sitting there across from Ryan Reynolds just for the sheer nonsense of it all, please. <laughs> that would be great. Um, so I'm thinking it like strong four, four out of ten. I mean, four out of five. It was really good. I got confused. I'm trying to support Jamie. And I'm like, what am I doing? I see who no. the favorites are. It's fine, guys. Whatever. <laughs> I I just, I really was hoping that it would feel like a thing. Because a lot of the stuff we've talked about in meta commentary around the MCU is that these shows sometimes don't feel like events. And that felt like a thing. That felt like something important that all of us got to sit there and watch together. And that is a four. So, Four out of five. Muscafir, I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's four out of five. Five. Please don't. <laughs> please don't say I said it was a four out of ten on this internet. Please don't do that. Aaron's Aaron's giving it that IGN score. Yeah. Oh, too much water. <laughs> too much water. <laughs> <laughs> Had the swagger of a black teen. <laughs> so in, in summary, we all really enjoyed the Loki season two premiere. Uh, I can't wait to keep doing this with everybody every Thursday night. Next week is episode two, obviously. That post credit scene with Sylvie seems to be the tease of directly what's coming next. And also this episode ended with the TVA agents all going through time portals to look for Sylvie. And uh, B-15 was like, all this for Sylvie? No way. Which kind of reminded me of the season two ending in season, uh, or the episode two ending in season one, which was one of the most infuriating moments since Ralph Boner for me. Because that felt like that was going to be the moment that launched the multiverse. And then I remember when episode three, we, we were on here on phase zero. Like, oh my God, <laughs> this is how what if exists. This is, they're doing it. All the multiverse is great. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, episode three starts. They're like, ah, the Minutemen saved it. There is no multiverse. We're good. We gooch. And we just moved on. But uh, yeah, here we are. We got a good cliffhanger. <laughs> I just remember that episode three, I showed up too late for our podcast because i was celebrating so hard the night before about (laughs) loki coming out basically yeah i I slept through the podcast i forgot about that oh my gosh 
I'm going to go back and rewatch it. That podcast yeah. is available now on every podcast platform and our YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, anything we want to say about episode two previews, predictions, Aaron, Jamie, anything you guys want to say about that to, to end the show? Or I think we've covered a lot, but if you guys have anything, I wanted to give you a chance, obviously, to... Just that Kwan is is the MVP, and I love him, and he is an Academy Award winning treasure, and I'm so happy he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I I could foresee him being like the new Coulson, where like we're in the way that like the audience loves him so much that he somehow gets his own project that was never conceived beforehand because of how much people love him, and that is what I'm trying to will into the universe. I I think that they should probably like I don't know if we weren't just like possibly axing things and possibly doing other things he if this had happened and he had been in the first season i'd have been like there would have been like an agatha thing just for mm -hmm. him off of one episode i feel like it's like the hollow ground like agatha ob madison um <laughs> my big thing for the rest of the series and for episode for episode two i think that the tva is built the exact same way as the sacred timeline it is a perfect circle oh. i think that it's a circle that like somehow poor OB is having trouble remembering things and movies have trouble remembering things because they've just been doing this over and over and over again. And we're on like the 1800th cycle of this thing existing, which is very far out. That would be very hard. If you're having trouble with like things like a temporal loom and like power overload, the casual audience is probably not gonna like that. But I totally, I'm like, I feel like that's where we're headed. Kang likes rings. What in the rings is going on here? <laughs> so we're just going to keep doing Ooh. this dance forever. That's it. Oh man, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I'll tell you what. I'll probably I'll probably rewatch every episode leading up to the new episode every week because I think there's going to be something to learn from it each time. So next week I'm going to start with episode one of season two and go straight into episode two, and then week three I'm going one two three. Uh, next week's episode I'm pretty sure is longer. I think it's fifty something minutes long, which is nice. Mm -hmm. It's also directed by Dan Delu, who's making his directorial debut. He did the VFX on Avengers Endgame and many other Marvel Studios projects. Uh, he's going to be making his directorial debut. And episode three is also a directorial debut for another VFX team member, uh, Kastra Farahani. And we'll have interviews with both of them on the Phase Zero channel after the episodes air. We won't interview them until after the episodes are released anyway. Uh, they're invited on Phase Zero. Hey, Dan, Kastra, you want to come on? Chop it up. Let's go. You see? Biggest, best Marvel show in the world uh jamie any last words for today's show yeah yeah follow me uh jamie jerak on tiktok letterbox where they do five stars and on instagram uh i'm really excited i love to be at this time of night somebody in the comments complimented our hair all of our hair yeah because i didn't just roll out of bed <laughs> aaron good luck following that it's something like hornet on twitter um and I'm really excited to go through this with you guys. I am right here with all of you. I have seen none of it. I've seen none of it. I was sitting there gasping as we're going through the episode today. Ariel was in another room like, there's a lot of gasping going on in the living room. The episode must be fire. Aaron does not do this. When the freaking recording played, I was like, no. Oh, my God. We're doing this right now. Let's go. We didn't even mention that. It sounds like the reason that they say for all time always is the freak is because of her. Great. I, I'm so excited. I don't know where see, we're going. No, oh. see, Jenna and I are the real victims here. We have to wait a month to see episode five now. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
<laughs> Jenna, what you got? It's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on whatever social media platform you choose. Um, and as always, go read some comics. The Loki miniseries that Marvel most recently ran just wrapped up right before the show premiered. So go check that out. Dan Waters is a really, really good writer, and he wrote a really fun, kind of big, ambitious story for Loki. So go check that out. All right, guys, that's our show. That's our Loki season one bonus episode number two. Thank you so much for riding with us on Phase Zero Live. If you did, thank you for listening to us in podcast form, wherever, whenever you listen to us, for all time, always. We will see you on Wednesday for our regularly scheduled episode of Phase Zero. We will be back a week from today with another live episode following episode two of Loki. And I'm having a blast. I hope you all are having as much fun as we are with this one. We can't wait to keep talking about this show. MCU shows are back, baby. Right into the Marvels, right into whatever's next. I don't care. We're doing it on Phase Zero. Subscribe to the channel, five-star review, send our show to a friend. When you see our breakouts on the comic book Instagram, like those too. Just let it let Jim Viscardi, jail cell Jim Viscardi know from his cell that you love our stuff. So that way we can just keep, I don't know, however we can make the show better, if that's even possible, we'll do that. All right, y'all, I'm rambling. That's our show. See you next week.